Hello all, welcome to the Ex-Millennial Man Podcast, the podcast for SeedSing.com. I am your host, Artie Kulik, and with me here is the man who is ready to travel the country and go to Washington, Washington, I don't know if Washington State's in the Big Ten now, UCLA, USC, and see all their signs and capture them for his beloved Michigan Wolverines. That's great. other host, Ty. How are you today, Ty? Hi, everybody. I'm good. I love that you're still pushing this narrative of science <laughs> and stuff. And it's Washington. Washington State's in like some other conference now. The Pac-2 or something? Well, but didn't I think they merged with some other conference as well. Yeah, I don't know. I'd say it was too complicated for my feeble mind. So I'm going to wait to let the geniuses at ESPN explain it all to me. Man, well, they were so upset on Monday night handing <laughs> over that trophy. It was great. It was glorious. And before I get to that, there's this whole, one of the people I follow, he's a political reporter, David Schuster. He's a Michigan alum, and he has been just burying ESPN for months over this crap. And I guess something just came out how ESPN paid off a bunch of like sports Emmys people to make sure that their college football show kept winning Emmys. Oh, and, I didn't know. Oh, that yeah, 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 yeah. Oh. So... <laughs> So he's like, maybe the president of ESPN should get suspended and they should have to put an asterisk next to all their Emmys. Yeah. Give him an unprecedented <laughs> suspension right right before that. I don't even know when the Emmys start. So. We're going to talk about this is going to be a looser conversation. I didn't even take notes on it because this is just purely from the heart. But we're going to talk about our favorite moments as fans in our lifetime and brought this up because... Oh God, how old were you? Like you weren't even driving 15 or 15. Yeah, when, 15. When Michigan last won and had to share the national title with Nebraska. They won that national title. <laughs> and all, well, I know because Nebraska lost to Missouri because mm-hmm. they cheated to win. And anyways, mm-hmm. so all these years later, which is weird to say now, everybody's like, of course, Missouri beat Nebraska. Nebraska's trash. And it's like, no, not back then, people. It was different. All these years and the Rich Rodriguez's of the world that is Harbaugh going to leave or not. And. They can't beat Ohio State. All these years later, Michigan not only won the national title last Monday, but did it under the most craptastic circumstances towards their program. And honestly, did it dominating. I mean, Mm -hmm. the closest game maybe they had was Alabama. Ohio State was six points. Alabama was seven. Yeah, but that Ohio State game never felt like it was. So, Ty, I have to assume this is one of your favorite moments as a sports fan. I'm going to let you rip on it. Yeah, so I wrote about this this past week, too, after they won the national title. And going into the season, you know, I knew about the suspension coming coming at the start of the year with the three games that Harbaugh was going to get because of watching workouts during the COVID dead period and what everybody calls Burger Gate with buying some recruits cheeseburgers. Uh, I knew that was coming, so I figured, all right, he'll miss three games. It's three nobodies that they played. So I wasn't too worried about it. And then things got really weird during that Rutgers game because Greg Schiano made some awkward comments at halftime and I was confused. And I love that his set team was kind of where this all, whole ball started rolling on everything. But going into that bye week after they just went and pummeled Nebraska and then they go into the bye week and the whole story breaks, the sign st- stealing thing. And you and I did a whole podcast on this. We talked about how ridiculous and how there's I mean, people should go look what's going on at Florida State right now with the NIL stuff because that's a much, much bigger deal than what's going on at Michigan. At that point when the stuff came out, I was I was kind of nervous about the Michigan State game because who knows how they're going to respond. They have all these allegations. Everybody's calling them cheaters. Everybody's – they become the villains of that. 
went out and just absolutely state. Now, Michigan State wasn't a good football team this year. I get that. I understand that. I watch, I'm an average college football watcher, so I know what's going on. And But there was still just something about the way they just went into East Lansing and pummeled that team. And, you know, everybody, Michigan State's coaches, oh, we're going to do something to protect our side. And it just, everybody had an excuse for why Michigan was winning. And what they did from that is they kept on winning. So much so that when they got to the Penn State game, all of a sudden, anonymous, that's that's my favorite word from all this, anonymous coaches wanted Jim Harbaugh suspended immediately. He had to be suspended because this was unprecedented. And the Big Ten commissioner did that. He suspended Jim Harbaugh before their Penn State, Maryland, and Ohio State games, the three biggest games of the year. This was going to determine what type of team they actually had because up until that point, they had played nobody. I know. I know your wife is a Purdue alum, but that coach coming out and saying all the stuff he said about him and then getting absolutely waxed is hilarious to me. But Penn State in Happy Valley was a big deal, and I didn't know what was going to happen. And Michigan proceeded to not throw a single pass after the eight-minute mark in the second quarter and run all up and down this supposed vaunted Penn State defense that nobody could move the ball against. And the game was in Happy Valley, and James Franklin and Manny Diaz made all their videos about sign stealing and Penn State players were doing these celebrations of sign stealing. Michigan went there and won that game. It was a nine-point victory, but it was much more like a two-touchdown victory in that game because they dominated both sides of the ball. Maryland game was touch or go. That one had me a little bit nervous, but they've never been good. They've, ne- nah, they've never played Talia Tiger Viola as good as they should because that kid is a crafty football player. He'll probably be playing for Miami next year because um, he's in the transfer portal for a sixth year of eligibility. And I wrote this. I feel like teams need a game like that where it's kind of shocks them back. Through. And then going into the Ohio State game, it's the regular season finale, biggest game of the year. Ryan Day gets everything he wants. Jim Harbaugh suspended. All his players are healthy as the best receiver in the country. People want them to win. People are rooting for them to win. It, can watch that broadcast and listen to Gus Johnson and Joel Klatt call that game. It's like Ohio playing air because they would not say anything good about Michigan. And it was a close game, but this was the first time since I was a teenager where I thought, oh, Michigan's going to win this. There's there's no doubt in my mind that they're going to win this game. And they did. They did just that. Zach Sinter goes down with a horrible injury, and the very next play, Blake Corm runs in a touchdown. Like There's just something special about that. And then going into that Big Ten championship game, not, a, I mean, Iowa anemic is a polite word to describe their offense, just absolutely anemic. So I knew they were going to win that game. I knew they were going to win that game with ease. I wasn't really worried about that. But then the playoff came, and I remember people, oh, Michigan's play Alabama. They don't want to play Alabama. Look at the way they reacted when they got Alabama. And as a fan, I was pretty nervous about Alabama, too, because it's Alabama. They they are the college football dynasty of my college football watching memory, as far as I can tell. So. That game was interesting. It was, you know, Michigan comes out, McCarthy throws what looks like a pick right on the first play, but the kid was out of bounds. And then Samaj Morgan muffs a punt for them. Like, oh, the the route's on. This is where it's all going to stop for them. But they didn't. They just kept playing football. They kept playing. Even when they were down 20 to 13 and I was nervous, they kept playing. And the, the way that defense played in that game was really my first time all year. It took me 14 games to get to the point where I thought, man, this defense is really elite. This defense can can do things that I haven't seen from a defense since that 97 team, 96, 97 team. And they won that game. It took overtime. They won that game. I remember watching it with our dad and his hand was shaking. My heart was racing. It was, it was crazy. Faced this Washington team, a electrifying offense, the number one passing offense in the country. And to go out there and just shut 
Bennett down and not let those receivers beat you. And they only sacked him once, but they got pressure on him all night. And Washington's running back was hurt, but they slowed that kid down. And it was, I keep describing it to people who I talk to about it as this euphoric feeling for me as a fan. I haven't, I remember the seven national title because I'm a humongous Charles Woodson fan. He's my favorite football player. I remember watching that and just loving everything I saw because Charles Woodson was awesome and Brian Greasy and Anthony Thomas. And they, they had these great players that I remember, but this one is just different because of what they did, what they had to deal with, the narrative against them. And then them. I, I have a Michigan versus everybody t-shirt, even though I think it's the silliest like <laughs> slang or saying that they can do. And the whole bet and everything like that. I, I'm not, I'm 41 years old, so I'm not into all this young slang stuff. But to take that on as a mantra for the team and to go out and do what they did. And it's interesting because after this, this all ended, you see people on ESPN saying, oh, they're the outright national titles. There's no asterisks. You see Paul Feinbaum wearing a Michigan jersey on his TV mm-hmm. show and saying he was wrong. You see, People like Pete Thamel aren't saying anything. Alabama, an executive at Alabama, that every team does this. J.J. McCarthy comes out says every team does this. The college football playoff committee chair saying Michigan won the title fair and square. It's just so funny how when you go out and you beat a team like Alabama, the narrative changes all of a sudden. And obviously, I'm I'm still on. I've been walking. I'm telling people too. I've been walking on air all week because I. I hugged our father twice after the game was over and said thank you for making me a Michigan mm-hmm. fan. Like. This just this just feels so different to me and so rewarding as a fan. Not that I do any. I'm just a fan. I buy their gear. I wear it. I I never went to school there. I never played football there. But it just it feels so good to see people who just two months ago were calling for Harbaugh to be fired or Harbaugh to be suspended, and these players were cheaters and they couldn't do anything without doing that. Connor Stallions, because I texted you and you said <laughs> you didn't thank Connor Stallions. And you think I, that guy would be still be a nobody if this story never came out. And I think it was hilarious that he was at the Rose Bowl on like the 50 yard line watching that game. So ah, he was looking for signs. He was, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, totally. Yeah. He's got to look for signs. I mean, they don't even play Alabama next year, so it doesn't matter. But it was just so cool to see. It. And you mentioned it at the top of this. If Jim Harbaugh goes to the NFL, he did what he promised he would do in 2014 when he was hired. So good luck to him if he goes. If J.J. McCarthy goes to the NFL, good luck to him. I'm excited to watch guys like Blake Corum and Junior Colson and Mike Sainristill and all of them playing on Sundays next year. So I've never seen a defense this elite. I've never seen a team that doesn't really have a quote-unquote star player. They just play as a team. I haven't seen a coach kind of just give over his whole team to his coordinators and let them run with it. I'm just ever with everything I saw this year. 15 wins is the most by a Big Ten team. I love it too for the most yards in college football playoff history. Besting Ohio State, who did in 2015, so that's another victory for Michigan that I can notch on my belt. And just watching a player who I admire so much like Blake Corum do what he did in that championship game, watching a guy like Donovan Edwards, who's had a really down year for him, score two long rushing touchdowns because that's what he's so good at doing. And just watching that defense absolutely and utterly dominate a top-notch Washington offense, it was it was incredible. It was incredible for me to see, and this is a memory that I will get to share with my son, with my dad, with you guys, all my brothers, because you guys know how much I love this football team. And I was getting texts from people too, just friends like, oh, this is great. This is great. So this is this is awesome, man. I'm as happy as I can be as a sports fan. 
Well, I saw somebody say a while ago on some social media that the curse of a man is that when he's 12 years old, he picks a sports team to make him miserable for the rest of his life. <laughs> yeah, and that's I, true. I can see it in my own kid. He is has a lot of opinions about the Cincinnati Bengals. And look, the truth of the matter is he was at about the right age when they get a young quarterback, they get a, a superstar receiver, and they go to the Super Bowl, and they have a chance mm-hmm. to win it at the end. So they don't. And that's what he remembers, but it it makes him a fan now. It's like forever now. He is going to be a fan of the Cincinnati Bengals. I was seven years old when the St. Louis Cardinals played the Milwaukee Brewers in the World Series. Yes, that did happen. They were in completely different leagues. Hey, yeah. And it was a seven-game series. I don't remember a single game of that whatsoever, but I know... It was like, oh, hey, my the the city. I didn't, I didn't, I was born in St. Louis, but I moved there when I was five. And you're seven, and that happens, and it's like, okay, now this is the team I'm going to follow for the rest of my life. It just becomes, you know, part of who you are. It's I, I know there's yeah. people that, and I hear it all the time. Like I hate it when you guys talk about sports, but sports is a big thing of who we are. And a hundred percent, yeah, it's funny too because these tend to be our highest listened to podcasts, also. <laughs> But there is, yeah, I mean, my, I could talk about my wife with tennis and the players that she still talks about. These are players when, they, when we were kids. The difference is, I mean, that's an individual sport, but I won't really admit it here in Cincinnati. And I think the Cardinals are tiring in a lot of ways. And I think Goldschmidt and Arenado can go hang out with Aaron Rodgers and talk about all the science they know. But still, at the end of the day... It hurt me that the Cardinals were not good last year, and it's I want them. I, I, I love Yadier Molina because everybody else hates him. Speaking of Cincinnati, man, do they hate that guy. And I love that dude. It's Yeah, but it becomes, it becomes this, like, who you are. I don't know how much you remember the year Michigan last won the title, but because college football is very different. Then. I remember them playing Ryan Leaf, who was – People might not know the third place finisher in the Heisman. Yeah, there was a and it was a legitimate conversation. Do you take him or Peyton Manning? Because Ryan Leaf had all the talent in the world. And I I remember Brian Greasy throwing a long touchdown pass early in that game to tie streets, I believe. But I obviously saw Charles Woodson pick off Ryan Leaf in Mm -hmm. the end zone that kind of secured that game. And I believe the final score of that was 23 to 16. So I remember little things here and there, but. I know every frame from the national title game on Monday. I know bits and pieces from the one in 97. And that was the Rose Bowl. It wasn't playoff. This was determined by AP and coaching bowl. No, that, the problem back then is Michigan was the number one team. They were undefeated. They beat, I believe, an undefeated Ohio State team mm-hmm. at the time. And they also went to Happy Valley early in the year when Penn State was ranked above them and beat them 34-8. to Yeah, I do remember that. I mean, that, that Michigan team. I mean, let's let's not forget. You want to talk about great sports memories. Charles Woodson is still the only defensive player to win the Heisman Trophy. Yeah, I mean, there's been other people I know. Manti Te'o was invited, and mm-hmm. not, or was Aiden Hutchinson uh, was. I think the Aiden last. Hutchinson was invited, and Dominic and Sue was invited. So there's been other guys, but Woodson won it, and a lot of people are upset because their glory boy Peyton Manning didn't win it that year. Yeah, I think Charles Woodson's proven his pedigree. I'm, I I agree. And I, again, I probably remember that season even more than you do because oh, Charles yeah. Woodson was, I mean, you talk about this current Michigan team, there's no like star. 
Charles Woodson was a superstar. (laughs) And it's different now, too, because, you know, I'm 14, 15 years old. I didn't carry the like heaviness of each game. Now that I'm an adult, watch every game and I study every game and I I'm a fanatic. It's like Charles Woodson. He won the Heisman Trophy on your birthday. So mm-hmm. it's that's big deal. Yeah, no, no. That's, <laughs> I, I know that's something you really, really remember. Well, it, and I, I went. I, so I had a birthday party and I had a couple of friends over to spend the night. And we went to I don't show my age here, but we went to Old Country Buffet to eat dinner. And I went home to watch the Heisman ceremony because mm-hmm. I had to see if Charles Woodson was going to win it or not. But again, you talk about that's a Rose Bowl. The way it was back then is the Big Ten champ played the pack. I think it was the pack. 10 at the time it might have been pack eight yeah back then. pack eight or pack 10 and they they played the champion of that which was washington state who i think had like two losses mm-hmm. and they were like the number nine or team in the country and then yeah. nebraska who is number two who is also undefeated even though i would argue they're not but their record said undefeated if you're in the 1990s you want to win a title go get the rest to screw a game up at furrow field yeah. in columbia missouri <laughs> a la colorado and uh, nebraska <laughs> But that Nebraska team, who again was very, very good, they oh, yeah. they played. They were number two, and I think they played number three, Tennessee. Yeah, Tennessee was somewhere, but also Peyton Manning was injured going on. right. Yeah, so Nebraska won, Michigan won, and you had two different polls. You had the coaches poll, and you had the media poll. Most people respected the media poll more because coaches can be. Joe Paterno he, voted he, against yeah. Michigan that yeah. year. Yeah, right. <laughs> got his team destroyed while he's turning his head to child sexual abuse. But it's so that was the whole thing that and what's interesting about that is that was the last year of that. The very next year, the BCS came in with their computer ranking things or whatever. And now and then the college football playoff. And I I don't think any of us would argue and maybe somebody will and maybe you will. But I think in the era of the college football playoff, it's pretty legitimate who the national champion is. I think we all. Yeah, no, I mean, four teams and it's glad that this was, I'm glad that this was the last year of it because it should be expanded. Absolutely. I I agree. And I think starting next year with 12 teams and then until the next expansion, I think it's going to become, I mean, we complained about March Madness because it's awesome. There's 65 teams or whatever there is now. So the more teams you get involved in this, the better it will be. But I think this, because you have to, I mean, these teams have to win two games if they want to win the championship. I think that's important. And I do actually like the way it's setting up next year. Uh, yeah. Speaking of team that, again, when I was young, when I was a kid, and I didn't go to Missouri. I didn't go to the University of Missouri. I, I didn't uh, go to Michigan. Right. But <laughs> I would root for them. Now, a big part of it was they had a great college basketball team when I was younger. But their football team, I mean, I went to a game there one time where Nebraska was leading them 41 nothing at half in Columbia. Oof, that's rough. And yeah. I think the final score is like 63-3. to It's the kind of crap Oof. that happens when you play NCAA football or something like that. Yeah, exactly. So Missouri was bad. And I remember when they got good. And I remember, gosh, it was the day after Thanksgiving, I think, 05 maybe, when number two Missouri was playing number three Kansas. And I'm like, what, the, <laughs> what the crap is this? And I want to, it was wasn't the, Chase Daniels, Mizzou quarterback. That yeah, year? yeah. 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 Chase right. Daniels who, and no offense towards him. I, he's got a podcast. I've heard him a couple of times. He, I actually think he's really, I think he's really entertaining, but really insightful. And he even says, you know what? I, I'm there to hold a clipboard. That's what I'm there to do. 
Do you know he's he made a ton of money? Made he's made twice as much money in his career as Derrick Henry has. Oh, not cool. <laughs> <laughs> no. I mean, good for Chase Daniel, but that's not cool. No, man. no, exactly. <laughs> that's that's a whole nother story about how just how just terrible the NFL is treating their running backs mm-hmm. and things like that. But going back to this particular Michigan team and win. And I, I know it pisses a lot of people off and they're like, Oh, Michigan fans are, are stuck up and they're, they're, we jer- sure are. but, <laughs> it, but it, it goes what I said on the other podcast about, look, I have no love whatsoever for the new England Patriots. I have no, I, I do think they absolutely cheated and Roger Goodell covered it up in the Super Bowl against the Rams. But that deflate gate thing made me on their side because I'm like, this is the dumbest crap I have ever seen. And just how petty these inferior programs are. Let's be honest here. And look, I'm going to give I'm going to give some shine to you, Michigan people. Jim Harbaugh, since day one, has had all the pressure on him. All of it. Now, he he invites a lot of this crap talking about how Jesus would be a five star recruit or some stupid yeah, thing like that. He one hundred percent deserves all of the pressure that he has on him. But I when fully it, agree with that. But when it comes to coaching football, okay, people can can litigate what they want about Colin Kaepernick, all right? But he took that team to the Super Bowl, okay? Mm-hmm. And lost to a better team, his brother's team, a better yeah, team. Uh-huh. And in a lot of ways, you know, people talk about the 49ers now, and somebody was saying, like, I don't know, Kyle Shanahan's kind of overrated, and I had to tell somebody, you know his quarterback's Brock Purdy? <laughs> yeah, the last <laughs> pick in the draft. <laughs> like, <laughs> I never will love all this talent, all this other stuff. I'm like, his quarterback is Brock Purdy, okay? Yeah, there's some problematic people on that football team, there's mainly ton- their defensive end. <laughs> yes, there is tons of problematic people. But anyways, with Jim Harbaugh, not Sean Harbaugh. Yeah, Jim Harbaugh. Yeah, Jim Harbaugh, <laughs> yeah. Since day one, he's had nothing but pressure and mm-hmm. lost to Ohio State a bunch of times and had some underachieving teams and could never quite get that quarterback. Speaking of like the Paul Feinbaums of the world or the, I think it was Colin Cowherd, I say one time that stud players don't want to go play up in Ann Arbor anymore. They don't want to play up north. They want to go to Alabama. They want to go to these places. With all that, with the Ohio State and his things he says and his cheeseburgers and whatever, all this stuff, he never once has faltered. He has been, yes, there's been flirtations with the NFL and stuff like that, but he has been about that team and he's taken the slings and arrows and he's taken all that crap and he's given praise to his assistants and to his players and done all that stuff. And these guys, you'll hear about it is, regardless of all the weird crap about Jim Harbaugh, that that they want to play for him. So they'll go to Ann Arbor in November and play in those kind of conditions to play for him and to bring this title back to Michigan. And this is going to sound strange to a lot of people out there, but the New York Yankees were not good for like 15 years, almost 20 yeah. years. And I'm not a Yankees fan by any means, but they get this collection of talent. They get some young and old guys and all this other stuff. It was a really big freaking deal when the Yankees won the World Series again. And mm-hmm. it was a really big deal when the Cowboys won the the Super Bowl. And Jimmy Johnson's like, how about them Cowboys? And <laughs> it's because these are law- Steelers. It was a huge deal when the Steelers finally won the Super Bowl after a few decades. That's kind of what this Michigan thing is like. I can feel from you and other Michigan fans. This 
elation, this happiness, totally. but almost like a sigh of relief going, yes, look, <laughs> we've told you this is a team. I mean, let's not forget in this season, Michigan also became the first team in college football history with a thousand wins. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Anyways. Well, I just want to, again, sounding like the arrogant, whatever you want to call me, Michigan fan. Another thing I just appreciated about this year is that Jim Harbaugh, A, has been incredibly outspoken about revenue sharing and giving money to these players and these kids who are putting in the work deserve to deserve to be financially compensated. I think that's great. But also at the end of games, when he would come back, when he was back from suspension and they would go to interview him, he would say one thing and then be like, talk to this guy right here. And that would be whoever ESPN, Big Ten, NBC, Fox, whoever had on would be their quote unquote player of the game. Harbaugh is always pushing the I'm not as important as this guy right here. And I think that's a big deal with, I coach youth sports. It's not the same thing at all, but coaches can only do so much. The players have to go out and execute things. And I think for Jim Harbaugh to, cause that's who ESPN wants to talk to. That's who Fox wants to talk yeah. to. But instead, like in the big 10 championship game, they, that would have been a much closer game if it had not been for a freshman named Samaj Morgan for having this huge punt return. So they talk to Jim Harbaugh, and he says, talk to this guy right here. And he gives an 18-year-old kid a chance to talk on TV. Like, I think that's awesome. I love to seeing that all year. It started to funnel through players because you talk to J.J. McCarthy, and you say, talk to this guy. You talk to Blake Corn, Blake Corn would say, talk to this guy. So it's just, and I know a lot of people like Micah Parsons made fun of Sharon Moore after Sharon Moore cried when they beat Penn State. First of all, Micah Parsons went to Penn State and he picked against <laughs> Michigan all year. So him doing that. And also, like, he should be focusing on football. This is this is becoming Draymond Green territory for him where it's like you don't need to have a podcast on Bleacher Report. You have a playoff game coming up this weekend. But I think that just shows the camaraderie and that these people are actually like working with each other and playing for each other. And Jim Harbaugh, by all accounts, is not an easy dude to work for. So... The fact that they all bought in, it showed on the football field this year. Well, Ty, we'll finish up this half with a uh, go blue. Go blue as always, man. Hello, all. This is RD. I wanted to talk to you guys about a, another podcast that I do work on called High Heels and Politics. It's hosted by Marianne Christie, who I work with here in Southwest Ohio. And Marianne, she interviews a lot of influential people. In Ohio, she's interviewed uh, a lot of political people that are influential. But for those of you outside of this state, she's also interviewed people like Susie Chapstick Chaffee, a former Olympic skier who was the face of Chapstick for the 1970s and 1980s. It's really interesting to listen to that one because she talks about her struggles as a woman in the Olympics, but then how she used her celebrity and her attractiveness in order to get more rights for amateur athletes, which led us today to things like the NIL. Also, Susie was very instrumental in Title IX, which we're celebrating the 50th anniversary of. But it's not all just seriousness. Marianne has also interviewed the Naked Cowboy, the New York City icon that's been out there. Simon Lease, who a lot of you may know if you've ever seen The People vs. Larry Flint, he was the guy that arrested Larry Flint. He also arrested Jerry Springer when Jerry Springer was a member of the Cincinnati City Council here. So I encourage you guys go to Spotify, Google, Apple, go search High Heels and Politics, follow, subscribe the show. Marianne comes out with a new one every week, and it's an incredibly great conversation. And if you're interested or know anybody that may be on High Heels and Politics, just go to the contact page and talk to us. So let's get back to the conversation. Okay, Ty, we spent a lot of time talking about Michigan football. 
But I briefly mentioned how on your birthday, the year they won the national title, Charles Woodson, I almost said Desmond Howard. I know we're going to talk about him in a minute. <laughs> but how Charles Woodson won the Heisman Trophy. But that's not the only great memory you have of Michigan on that day. Yeah, so being a Michigan football fan, I'm also a Michigan basketball fan, and they are awful this year. They had a 12-point lead last night at Maryland, ended up getting beat by seven. They're just a bad basketball. Hey, no, at least they're not Purdue that kid, can beat everyone good, but then lose to Nebraska or some crap. Anyways. So in 97, 96, 97, they were still kind of reeling from the Fab Five stuff that came down on them. this one player, Robert Trailer, who I love. For Tractor. a while there, I wore, yeah, may he rest in peace. Yeah. But for a while there, I wore number 54 because he was my fifth to all player at any level of basketball. And they had other guys on the team who were good, but it was all about Robert Trailer and Duke. Came in Ann Arbor that night to play Michigan. On my birthday, Charles Woodson won the Heisman. I can remember saying to my friends, man, it would be so awesome if they beat Duke in basketball, thinking they had zero chance because Duke is Duke. I hate Duke. They were number one in the country there, and they beat number one Duke in basketball. So on my birthday, Charles Woodson won a Heisman. A couple weeks later, you go on to win a national title. And Michigan basketball, reeling from sanctions, not a very good basketball team, beat number one Duke in Ann Arbor. It was awesome. I was, it might be the greatest birthday of my life (laughs) when all that stuff happened, man. It was, it was, and again, I told you, I told you in the first half, I rushed my friends and our parents home so I could watch the Heisman ceremony. And then like, well, I'm going to watch this basketball game. So I made my, I only had like two or three friends over, but we all watched the Michigan basketball game and we watched them beat Duke. It was awesome. In other like these sports memories, because I was thinking about what are some of my personal favorites, and that's what this is. We're not counting down the greatest of all time. Uh, no. When I was looking it up, somebody's like, the U.S. won a curling gold medal. I don't remember that crap at all. I could not tell you anything about it or when it happened. But a lot of these, like we talk about games or championships or stuff like that, but a lot of these, there are moments that absolutely make it epic. And going back to the last time the Cardinals won the World Series, uh, now I'm going to sound like a jackass, way back in 2012, I believe. And you have, God, why am I blanking on his name now? David Freeze, Oh, David Freeze. See, I'm an idiot. This is, (laughs) this is. He went to your high school. I just was about to say, this is when I don't script. (laughs) This is a crap that happens. But yeah, David Freeze, who uh, we didn't go to high school at the same time. I'm like 10 years older than him, but Hometown guy, not a well-known name player or something like that. With, I mean, the Texas Rangers, the current World Series champs, the Texas Rangers were one strike away from winning the World Series. One strike. Not an out. Not yet. A strike. (laughs) And, I mean, I remember saying, oh, well, this Rangers team is just better and all this other stuff. Yay for the Cardinals because you have this nobody, this hometown kid coming up, and he hits a home run. And then Uh they go to a game seven, which he has big hits in that game, too. And look, he was never a superstar player like he was those two games. But my God, I mean, that is the very first thing I would ever say to him if I met David Freeze. Like, man, what what two great games. But they were the they won the World Series because of him. I've written on this website, too, how I'm kind of in and out of baseball. Like, I don't pay a lot of attention to it. But I can remember watching that, too, because my wife was pregnant with our first kid. and. We were at our old house up in our bed, up in our bedroom, and she was rest, like going to sleep because she was tired. I'm like, oh, I'm going to stay up and watch this game, see if the Cardinals can make it interesting. And they sure as hell found a way to make it interesting. Yeah, or an, like even a team or a player, I don't really even follow that well. But I, and something I remember vividly is, so I'm going to shock everybody here. Back in 2019, the Toronto Raptors won the NBA title. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was in Mexico when they clinched it. Yes. And, but that whole thing, the thing I remember because everybody knew Kawhi Leonard was going to be there for one year. That's it. Mm-hmm. And my God, did he, did he deliver for what oh, he yeah. needed? But the thing I remember the most is it was, it was in, I think, the, maybe the second round. Yeah, or or was the it the Sixers finals? You're talking about? Yeah, no, it was, a, it was the it was the semis. Okay, it was Game Seven, and Kawhi Leonard make this shot, and it must have bounced off the rim. I think when I read it, it was like four times, but it felt like twenty times to yeah. seal. I mean, it is one of the most amazing shots I've ever seen to seal the victory. And well, it's funny you mentioned that too, because what I remember, I obviously remember that shot. What I remember from that series is. Being in Mexico is my 10-year wedding anniversary, and Kevin Durant had ruptured his Achilles, but he was determined to come back. And I remember seeing him kind of do this like weird, awkward dance in the in the hallway walking into the stadium, into the into the arena. And then I remember I can vividly remember whoever was showing ABC, I think, showing the game slow down, and you could see Kevin Durant's Achilles rupture live. <laughs> and, and, and it was one of the grossest things I've ever seen in my life. A lot and of, I got to watch it with Spanish announcers too, which was very cool. Oh yeah, I, <laughs> that it was the '06 World Series that the Cardinals won, and the entire NLCS games it went seven games. It was the Cardinals and Mets. That was famously where Adam Wainwright game seven, yeah, yeah had got <laughs> against called, Carlos. Beltran. Yeah, looking, <laughs> yeah. looking, yeah. and. But didn't it, Beltran end up playing for the Cardinals yeah, shortly? He, after yeah, that? he yeah, played for a so. couple of years there. Yeah, but he. But that I I was in Mexico for our honeymoon at the time and watching all those games in Spanish. Another thing, though, about sports and we're going to talk about like when I talk about these individual players, sometimes there's just individuals on teams that we heavily follow. You brought up Micah Parsons. I mean, the guy is a demon, but you're right. He's awesome. A guy who I just absolutely in every way possible cannot hate whatsoever, even though he's in our division and he destroys us as Miles Garrett. I was yeah, he's uh, awesome. That yeah. dude rules. <laughs> I mean, it was very, very comforting the last game of the year, which meant absolutely nothing because right. Cleveland could not go anywhere and the Bengals could not go anywhere. And Miles to see Miles Garrett sitting on the sideline and not playing in that game made me feel really good. <laughs> it's probably why the Bengals won like 34 to 14 or whatever yeah. they did. In that game. I mean, and I know he had some problematic things when he was in high school, but he's apologized. Josh Allen, I mean, when they played the Bengals this year, I remember he completely beat one of their linebackers and he just pointed right at him and then got called for taunting. I'm like, come on, you know, (laughs) I kind of like that moxie, but never, never have I seen. And I I have it just burned into my memory. It was the Rio Olympics and it was the hundred meter dash Mm, and Usain Bolt like won by a couple of strides, but it wasn't him just winning so dominantly. Before he crossed the finish line, he did what they tell every runner, especially sprinters, not to do. Never look around. Never look back. And he looked back and just smiled at the dudes he just completely smoked. And I'm like, yeah, it's like a famous picture. And he does. It's, you know, it's akin to these guys. And I don't know who does it, but there was some guy who ran a race recently. And when he finished, he took his shoes off and somebody with a fire extinguisher came out and blew because his shoes were on fire (laughs) from him going so fast. Like, I love that stuff. <laughs> yeah, no, I I absolutely adore it. Uh, something I wanted when I was looking at a list of, like, the biggest sports moments of the decade or whatever. Some, I remember I'd heard about this, and I, I haven't seen the movie because of a feeling that's going to make me vomit. But there's this movie documentary called Free Solo. where this, Oh, I've seen that. It's horrifying. 
Well, I'm going to tell you what makes it more horrifying, because what this guy did is he free climbed, like no ropes or any of that mm-hmm. stuff. El Capitan yeah. in Yosemite National Park. Over the summer, we went to Yosemite, and I stood looking at El Capitan. And I'm going to tell you, again, I don't know this guy, things like that, but when I looked at that, I remember. So we are sitting in Yosemite Park, and this, what people don't get, and Yosemite, they, I learned this when I was there. It is literally a mountain range that's been turned on its side. There were mountains and then a massive earthquake or something turned them on their side. So yeah. there are these sheer cliffs. And oh, when yeah. you go up to El Capitan and we're all standing there looking at it and I look, I go, are there people climbing on it? And we had to get my mother-in-law's camera and zoom in. That's how big this monster joker is, okay? Mm, yeah. <laughs> we had to zoom in and saw these people and they were like on the bottom third of this thing and they had ropes and all this other stuff. And I'm like some insane human being climbed this Mm. entire thing. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I I had to bring that one up just because totally that movie's really good too, but it is horrifying. It makes, it makes me weak in the knees just watching it from my my couch at home. But getting back to football, because I talked about these individual performances and it's always nice to see the players we liked in college thrive one way or the other let's see i charles woodson i know won his super bowl finally with the backers yeah and he was hurt yeah and i the other memory i have of charles woodson is causing tom brady to fumble and then them not calling it a fumble oh you mean you mean the tuck rule (laughs) yeah (laughs) but what other michigan player gave you a lasting memory so i was a little too young to remember desmond howard playing at michigan but obviously i know of him because i studied their past and I, i mean i know nonsense about Tom Harmon that I don't think any 41 year old needs to know because that's how obsessed I am but Desmond Howard kind of a journeyman in the NFL never really found his footing but he became a returner pretty pretty good returner that's what teams signed him for so he ended up playing for the Packers and Packers are playing in the Super Bowl against the Patriots now this was the Bill Bill Parcells Parcells, coach Patriots yeah was Drew Bledsoe so Bledsoe was the quarterback of it but I remember thinking, well, the Packers are better. They're going to win this game. I just wonder by how many. And the very first play of the game, Patriots kick it off. Desmond Howard takes the kickoff, takes it all the way back, like touchdown. But before he got into the end zone, about five yards shy of it, he started to do the robot. And I'm a big Packer fan. I was watching with another Packer friend, friend of, Packer fan friend of mine back from high school. And him and I both saying, just get in the end zone. Like, just get into the – don't make this any closer than it needs to be. But – to see Desmond Howard do that, return it, the guy who played at Michigan, won the Heisman, did some great things there, and then to return a kickoff in the Super Bowl for a touchdown for my favorite NFL team, and I believe he won the MVP of that Super Bowl as well. So yeah, it's did. just really cool to to see stuff like that. And I I usually there's a lot I don't follow a lot of Michigan guys when they get to the NFL because I just want to follow Michigan football. But he was one of the guys as I was getting a little bit older, I definitely watched a little bit more and. I think he's the best person on college game day now. So, oh well, of course. I mean, he's he's <laughs> he's loyal. He is. Yeah, <laughs> he is definitely that. And I, I spoke in the first half about how it was just all this long time waiting. People, probably even people your age, I don't think truly understand that Green Bay came when the NFL came in. They were the dominant team, and then for mm-hmm. like twenty five years, they were terrible. Well, it's just nice having our dad, who's a historian, yeah. telling me about Don Majowski and those Packers that I have no recollection of at all. There is one of our aunts who's she's passed away now who lived in Milwaukee. I remember her saying one time that 
I think Bart Starr was a coach for a while in like the late 70s or early oh. 80s. And they were just terrible. And where she was at a mall or something, and then somebody announced over the intercom that Bart Starr and his entire coaching staff has been fired. And everybody in the mall just started applauding. <laughs> that rules. That's a great sports memory. Yeah. That was Green Bay was the same way. They'd been so bad for so long. And then this is a story for another time, but the NFL didn't get free agency to like the early 90s. And the first oh. big free agent was Reggie White signed with the Green Bay Packers. Away from the Eagles. That yeah. was a big deal. Yeah. And everybody was like, everybody was like, oh, is that. Uh, is is that a smart thing to do or whatever? But that changed well, that franchise. It absolutely sure. changed it forever. And they won that Super Bowl and it was a big, big, big deal. But I don't want to talk about bad memories because I got plenty of those. And that's another podcast. That oh, we'll me do. too. Yeah. <laughs> no. You want to talk about bad Michigan memories? Cordell Stewart to Michael Stewart. Cordell Stewart to Michael Williams or whatever. Yeah. Was. That's a horror. I cried after that. <laughs> and not happy tears like I was having the other night. But I... I get annoyed when people like talk about like the dad things and these are like dad movies or all this other stuff. I'm like, fine, but I will admit, I love I, our dad. No, no, dad no. I'm saying, like one of my best friends. Oh, no, no. I'm I, saying like people like, you know, like a war movie is a good dad movie or they are. dad made me a Michigan fan, so. <laughs> or jumping up and celebrating like sports things as all dad stuff. I don't care, but I will, I will admit, I know exactly where I was. And I don't even have to look this crap up. It was January 14th, 2018. So we're recording this on January 12th, 2024. Yeah, say we're near the, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I remember exactly where I was. I was sitting at our kitchen table watching the Minnesota Vikings play the New Orleans Saints. And yep. <laughs> this is when we talk about bad memories. I have a bad memory of another game, playoff game of the Vikings and the Saints, but and it was one of these things. It was in Minnesota, in the Metrodome, because that's where it was at the time. Yeah. And I believe they were still in the Metrodome then. They might be in there. Who knows? Yeah, but uh, I, I, I don't, that's not what I remember. I don't remember QB. Yes. I don't remember <laughs> yeah. anything at all about the whole game. I just remember it was back and forth. And at the end, Drew Brees drove the Saints down. And it's like, okay, that's it. And then with seconds left in the game, Keenum just throws this thing again case keenum back up just Who caught it throws this stefan diggs again stefan will Diggs. okay that's never right. ever forget this and it's like i I'm forgot that he was on the vikings yeah like <laughs> and i was screaming get out of bounds and you see yep. him turn around and he realizes there's no defenders between him and the end zone and it's like i literally jumped out of my chair and started screaming and my wife and my son are like you are an insane human being. And I'm like, <laughs> they're going to the damn Super Bowl. And then they got their butts waxed by Philadelphia <laughs> the next totally. week. But I don't care. That one moment, that one moment was like, this is why I'm a fan. This yeah, is and, it. And it's interesting because like with Michigan games, when they win or do something good, I'll be loud. Or when they're not playing well, I'll be loud and upset. You don't really get loud. Mm -mm. Like, I know who you're fans of because you're my brother and I've mm -mm. been around you my whole life. But. Yeah, I would think even for your wife and kid who've never seen you really mm -hmm. act like that, that what do they call it? The Minnesota miracle or something yeah. that had to be that had to be incredible. No, it's like it's, absolutely because, again, this is nowhere near as important as that. But I can remember years back in Oak Era, Michigan, they're playing Northwestern and I'm like, oh, they're going to get beat. This is going to mess up their bowl chances. Denard Robinson throws this insane Hail Mary to Roy Roundtree. He catches it and they kick a field goal to win. But what you're talking, Minnesota went to the NFC championship. Yeah. No. On, based on that, I don't know who beat them, but yeah, they did. Get Philadelphia, that, but 
Oh, okay. But um, just because I can remember watching that game too and, and thinking, why is he not stepping out of bounds? But I didn't have any interest in it like you did. Mm-hmm. So for you to get that excited, that's a big deal. No, it's, it, it's probably my single favorite sports memory. And I've been to games. I've seen some incredible things happen. I went to a, a St. Louis Rams game, and this is when they were great. So it, I think it was a year after they won the Super Bowl or somewhere in that period. And they played the Atlanta Falcons, and they Atlanta had the, got the ball kicked off to them. Atlanta ran it back for a touchdown. I'm like, oh, crap. And then, then they kicked to St. Louis. St. Louis ran it back for a touchdown. It's, we're 12 seconds in the game. It's 7-7. Seven, seven. And I'm like, oh, crap. <laughs> I, I can remember going to a Rams game with you when they were new to St. Louis. And oh. they were really bad. And the PA announcer was talking about all the stuff they led the league in. And a guy Hunting, a couple rows behind us. Well, <laughs> that's not what I remember, though. I remember the guy a couple rows behind us saying, do the Rams lead the league in pissing people off? I will never forget that as long as I live. That guy was not having it that day. So did you, is there anything I'm missing or any other? No, I mean, I, I can vivid, not I can vaguely remember the fab five and being like, seeing how cool it was to watch them play. But that's the thing, you know, people who don't like hearing me talk about Michigan are going to hate this because that's, the the 99% of my sports memories are based around Michigan, mainly Michigan football. And I realize how lucky I am to be a fan of a team that's usually pretty good. And the only thing I do want to say to like close it up here is that my son told me the other night when Michigan won the championship, I became a fan at just the right time. <laughs> and yeah. I kind of laughed at that because I was saying, I... I wanted Lloyd Carr to go so Michigan go in the modern era of football. And I watched Rich Rodriguez do a horrendous job coaching. I watched Brady Hoke do a not so good job of coaching and just stuck it out. And I didn't even want them to hire Jim Harbaugh because I thought he was going to be gone after four years. Jim Harbaugh did what he set out to do. And I am just forever grateful. And I will never, ever forget what I watched on Monday night and this whole entire season. Oh, woe is me that I'm complaining that people are complaining about them stealing signs. But the way that story was told, I just love that Michigan not only silenced those people, but they went out on the field and demolished those teams that they played. Yeah, and they did it in this new modern era of football. They did it against the SEC. They did it against a modern offense. They did it. I they, mean, they did it the hard way. Up, they gave up 156 points Jesus in 15 Christ. games. Jesus 156. Christ. They didn't trail. They, they're the first team since that Miami juggernaut who didn't trail at halftime all year. They were only behind in, I want to say, the Alabama game. I mean, I, I feel like part of me is like, yeah, it's great remembering all this stuff. We we're talking about teams we grew up with that won championships. I just hope for my son's sake, sometime the Bengals win because I know people my age that have been Bengals fans forever. I, one of them, when they were in the Super Bowl, we went to his house to watch it. And he was just weirdly zen at the end of the game while the rest of us are yelling. He's like, just how it is. Like, <laughs> I, I've been a fan my whole life. I was shout out to our uncle Jeff, who I was texting with during the game. He told me when it was, it was pretty certain they were going to win to enjoy this, this because he's a, he's a, a lifelong Packer yeah. fan. He said <laughs> he remembers them winning the Super Bowl in his lifetime. And that was fantastic and euphoric for him. The rest is just gravy. I've seen two in my lifetime now, but I didn't think I was going to see another one after 97. I am. They, I, I told our mom at the end of this every year since I've been a fanatic, I've had a reason to complain. I have no reason to complain this year. Yeah. 15 and 0, 
the most one of the most dominant teams and one of the greatest defenses college football will ever see. And, and uh, Blake Corum is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> and what people don't understand, we talked about this right before we got started recording, is I'm going to tell you right now, Alabama and New England fans, you are it's going to be decades before you know how good you had it because New England was a nothing franchise. (laughs) And then, and I know people who say Tom Brady, whatever, but Alabama, Alabama is a historic franchise, but me growing up, Alabama was not good till I was in my thirties. Okay. I just, I just want to (laughs) tell people my age, go back and look up the Mike Shula era, Alabama Crimson Tide. Yeah. And then you'll see how, far Nick Saban took that team and shouts out to the Patriots for hiring a 37 year old black man to be their head coach yeah I love that yeah. I think that's great I would have I would have never thought it was New England who would do it but shouts out to <laughs> New England yeah no that, that's that's <laughs> you are right about that and I didn't even know who they Gerard Mayo oh. it was announced this morning yeah okay that's hey. he's a former player there no yeah, yeah he is uh, I mean good luck in the Boston area there so <laughs> yeah, <Coach Mayo>. yeah. <laughs> that's all I can say about that so all right, Ty. Well, when when Harbaugh leaves and they need you to come in to write the oh. ship, where are they going to find you? Please don't. I only coach sixth grade <laughs> basketball. Um, you can find me on Instagram and Facebook, T-Y-K-U-L-I-K, all lowercase. And more importantly, come read my stuff on Seedsing, S-E-E-D-S-I-N-G. If this podcast today wasn't enough Michigan talk for you, I wrote a very long blog about my feelings on this season on Tuesday after they won the title. So you can check that out again. Seedsing.com, S-E-E-D-S-I-N-G.com. You can hear me on a few episodes of Chucklehead Chat, hosted by our buddy Glenn Adams. It's a fun podcast. Go check that out. But most importantly, come listen to me on this podcast, the Ex-Millennial Man podcast. Rate, review us, check out our Patreon. I'm really stoked to get back to First Watch Rewatch whenever we do that, so check that out. And as always, Black Lives Matter. Yeah, repeat all that, Seedsing.com. To check this show out and a couple of other shows like First Watch, Rewatch, go to Public Forum Productions and you'll see it there. I'm actually getting ready to transfer some of these things to another podcasting service because to make it just a little bit easier to find. And so I'll keep everybody updated on that. And yeah, with a, this is the start of a new year. And I know people, I, I've, I don't know why I keep apologizing about this, but we have this, and then in a couple of weeks, we're going to talk tennis with Tina, and then we're going to have a Super Bowl that we're going to have to talk about. So, it's just that time. Yeah, <laughs> I say it, it's, it's weird because there's not a lot of movies I'm going out to the theater to see right now. There's some I'll watch on the yeah. on the TVs, but anyways, so that's uh, get prepared for that. And then I've already started to put together a second season here, first watch, rewatch that we'll start doing in the spring. So, so we uh with all that being said, we thank you for your ears. Anything else that you may use to listen to the Ex-Millennial Man podcast, remember we're here every Saturday for free, wherever you find your fine podcasting shows. And again, I'll just say it one more time for your sake, Ty. Go Blue. Hail to the victors. Go Blue. Stay fresh, cheese bags. The Ex-Millennial Man Podcast is a production of SeedSing.com, fully owned by R.D. Kulik and Associates, LLC. Producers Ty Kulik and Ryan Kulik, adequately engineered by Ryan Kulik.